Well, at least for a few days, it felt like normal. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And we appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. I know these are strange times, but we're still here for you every week, trying to give you a sense of normalcy with everything going on. So if we can do our part, and it's a small part, but if we can do our part, then you know what? We're happy to do it. We are happy to uh, be that outlet for you, just to feel like, hey, Big 12 sports is being talked about. It's not coronavirus 24-7. And before we get into it, guys, please take a second out. It would mean the world to me and leave us a rating, review, subscribe. We're going to be here every week for you throughout this. We're not going anywhere. No break. So if you could do us a favor, do me a favor, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. When you leave that rating and review, just send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. Appreciate that. So the NFL draft was last week, and, yeah, there was some normalcy to it. Uh, let's spend some time on, on some of the awards that I want to hand out for the NFL draft involving Big 12 players. First off, my biggest bust, my most likely bust, Jalen Hurts. Now, here's the thing. The bust has to be, right? The bust has got to be a first or second round pick. You can't be like a sixth round bust. Like, that's not possible. So if you look at the first and second round picks uh, in the Big 12, CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys. I'm going in order here. Jalen Rager to the Eagles. Uh, line, Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray to the Chargers. Texas Tech linebacker Jordan Brooks to the Seahawks. TCU cornerback. Uh, Jeff Gladney to the Vikings. And then second round was TCU defensive tackle Ross Blacklock, Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts, and Baylor wide receiver Denzel Mims. You know, the wide receivers are going to produce, but Jalen Hurts, like I was on a Philadelphia radio show this past week, my buddy Joe Giglio, uh, WIP in Philly, and I was a guest on his show to talk about Jalen Hurts. And I was like, dude, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know how that guy is a second round pick. In a best-case scenario, he's like a quasi-wildcat guy who can throw the ball 10 yards downfield. But he's got no accuracy down the field, especially at the NFL level. Like, there's no way. Now, Joe Giglio told me, he's like, yeah, well, you know, Howie Roseman, GM of the Eagles, was looking at the pick and looking at Hurts, and apparently he raved about the Baylor game. And I said to him, the Baylor game where OU was down 28-3 in the first half and then came back to win. And I'm like, Joe, did he watch the first half? Because the first half was interceptions, fumbles, um, incompletions. I mean, it was a mess of a first half. And that was against the best defense in the Big 12. Now, the second half, by the way, OU came back. But the OU defense deserves a lot of credit. They forced a ton of three and outs um, against Baylor in that second half. And then the OU drives were 9, 10, 11, 12 plays. I mean, that's they were not big strikes. Lincoln Riley had to change his offense for Jalen Hurts. This was not Baker Mayfield. This was not Kyler Murray, you know, with 50-yard slingshots on a dime to CeeDee Lamb. That's not who Jalen Hurts was. And, and yes, the OU offense was still great, and Hurts put up uh, video game numbers. He's not a guy in the NFL that gives you any threat down the field. And I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. Now, he's a great leader and a great young man. And I will never take that away from him. A great leader and a great young man. But, man, you've got to get the ball downfield 15, 20 yards. Easy, easy. 
to do this job well at that level. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, they're talking about him. Oh, if Carson Wentz pulls an Andrew Luck or they move on, Hurts is the guy in waiting. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you legitimately think that Jalen Hurts is your quarterback in waiting, you're looking at a lot of 3-13 and seasons, okay? I'm just telling you that. And it might sound rough, but, hey, this is part of the job, right? And I just don't see how Jalen Hurts is ever going to be a true, you know, NFL quarterback that that gets you to the playoffs and wins a bunch of games. He's a great guy to have in the roster. He's a great guy to have in the locker room. But that's kind of the extent of it. And I was shocked. Shocked. Now, I know apparently other NFL teams had him as a second-round pick. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Unless the NFL is changing so much where you're going to have, you know, guys like Jalen Hurts come in on third downs or second and shorts or things like that as an option if the league continues to change and, you know, develop, grow, things like that. But otherwise, I just, I don't get it. I, I do not get it. Uh, the best fit of the players drafted in the Big 12, Baylor defensive end James Lynch going to the Minnesota Vikings. Doesn't it feel like James Lynch can have a 10-year career sacking quarterbacks across the NFC North? It just feels like the perfect spot for James Lynch, who's coming off being named the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know if he's the next Jared Allen. Probably not. I mean, those are some big shoes to fill, but he is going to be a grinder. He will exceed expectations as a fourth-round pick. And I just see James Lynch being a guy that has a really solid career. Uh, you know, probably for his career gets overlooked on a national stage. He won't mind it, but he is going to be striking fear in the NFC North quarterbacks for a long time. I think that is a, a great pick. It's a steal. It's not the steal of the draft. I'll tell you who that is here in a second. But it is a great pick for the Minnesota Vikings and great value in that fourth round. The biggest steal I've got, Lucas Niang of the Chiefs, third-round pick offensive lineman at a TCU. This is a guy who had a first-round projection before last season's injury. He's an absolute beast at 6'7", 330 pounds, and he allowed zero sacks in two seasons as TCU's right tackle. And when you're the Super Bowl champs and you get a body like that in the third round to help protect the MVP of the league, you can say Lamar Jackson, that's fine. Technically, yes, but let's be honest. The MVP of the league is Patrick Mahomes, and you can keep him upright with a guy of that size and that skill in the third round as the defending Super Bowl champs. Man, that is the steal in the Big 12. Maybe the steal of, uh, you know, for any team coming out of any conference, that is the steal of the 2020 NFL draft, and it just so happens to be a guy who, you know, played at TCU, played for Gary Patterson, and, you know, that can't be overlooked. Lucas Niang is a guy that could have a really great NFL career. And we'll be sitting here in five years and saying, he was a third-round pick? You know, like we'll be like, wait, he's got two all-pros and he's a third-round pick? What happened there? A player who I'm going to enjoy following is uh, Bravion Roy, Carolina Panthers. That is the former defensive tackle for the Baylor Bears, who is now, yes, playing for his college head coach, Matt Rule, who is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And he's bringing his nose tackle from Waco to Charlotte. Brevion Roy was one of the most underrated players in the Big 12 last year, and let's see if he can do it again at the next level and be an explosive guy that, you know, picks up double teams at the next level, allows other guys to compile tackles for loss, sacks, things like that. Roy's not somebody that's going to have the massive uh, stats, right? I mean, most nose tackles aren't anyway, 
but he's not going to have uh, the big time stats. But I just can't wait to see what he does. Now, he wasn't a big time pick, sixth round, but that's great value, especially when it's a guy that Matt Rule knows. Uh, he played his years. He's 6'1, he's 330. Maybe you'd like him to be a little bit bigger uh, in terms of height, at least 330 solid, but a little bit taller in a perfect world. Uh, but still, I mean, sixth round, you get a guy like that that you know that played for you in college, and now you take him to the next level, that is outstanding. That is absolutely outstanding. And what a run it's been for Bravion Roy, who's been playing since 2016. He's seen the ups and the downs of this program the last several years, and now he's taken his talents to the next level. So that's exciting. I'll be, you know, I'll be intrigued to follow his career, uh, especially early on as long as he's playing under Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. The undrafted player to watch. There's a couple of directions I could have gone. A couple of directions. But the direction I chose, Ray Lima, Miami Dolphins, another defensive tackle, formerly, of course, of Iowa State. And you think about this. I mean, Tom McShay had a fifth-round grade on Ray Lima. And he doesn't get drafted and the Miami, uh, Miami, I almost said Miami Marlins, Miami Dolphins pick him up as an undrafted free agent. Uh, this is a guy who was, you know, first team all Big 12 a couple of years ago. And once again, didn't have big sexy stats, but he's 6'3", 305, moves well. He was a key cog in uh, arguably the best defense in the conference the past couple of seasons. I, I know that people don't think of the Big 12 and think of defense. They should start thinking of that, by the way. I mean, I, I know it's like, oh, SEC defense, Big 12 offense change that thought process, especially considering the Big 12 had five first-round draft picks and three of them were on the defensive side of the ball in Kenneth Murray, Jordan Brooks, and Jeff Gladney. So don't forget that. No one wants to talk about it, but don't forget that. Uh, but he was a first-team All-Big 12 guy by ESPN back in 2018, um, second team by the coaches in the AP, second team again in 2019. Just a, a great guy as well was a semifinalist for the Jason Witten Man of the Year Award. Just a really good guy to have in that locker room. And I, I hope like heck he makes the Miami Dolphins because uh, he could be somebody who I think has a really solid NFL career. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch it unfold. It's going to be a lot of fun to follow. So congrats to all 21 Big 12 NFL draft picks from this past week. Uh, TCU led the way, by the way, with five picks. And we'll get to that later in the show. Talk about what that means. I mean, TCU, congrats, five picks, but you're, you know, under 500 each of the past two years. Uh, not, not so great. I think there's some fair criticism there that we will discuss as the show unfolds here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being here and joining us. Well, coming up, Let's talk a little bit about uh, what might be changing image and likeness, possibly allowing for a payday in college sports. Matthew Poston's our guy. He's going to be here to talk about that and much more coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, let's say hello to Matthew Poston. You read him all the time uh, here on heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. And we are still in a strange holding pattern and not just college sports, but all of sports for that matter. There have been some developments, though, on the college sports level. It came down this week that the NCAA has taken some 
Pretty big steps towards allowing name, image, and likeness compensation for athletes. Matthew, is something that's been talked about, it feels like, forever in the college sports world. How do you see this drastically changing college sports, if at all? Well, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, as they look at this, basically they're going to write legislation and they're probably going to vote on it this fall. And if everything goes the way everybody believes it will, it'll start taking effect for the fall of 2021. So uh, students won't be able to take advantage of this for another year and a half because they've got to get all the, uh, the legal stuff taken care of. But, you know, this is going to open the door to, I think, taking all the stuff that we know happens under the table in recruiting and on campus, those so-called $100 handshakes that Chris Sims has referred to, the former quarterback <laughs> at Texas. And it's going to take that, and it's going to bring it out in the open. And I think that's actually going to be a benefit for everyone because if you look at most of the scandals that happen in college football, it's about recruiting. It's about improper benefits. It's about doing things outside of what is currently allowed within the NCAA. And a lot of the things they have on those lists, third-party endorsements, social media influencing – having your own work product or business activity like a, a YouTube. There was a student athlete last year who had to take his YouTube account down because he was making money off of it. Personal promotions. These are all things that student athletes can't do right now. They would be able to do that under this new plan. And this would enable booster networks, say at the University of Texas, to make sure that everybody within the football program or within the athletic program gets a little bit of a piece of the pie. This way, Students don't have to go to agents and say, hey, I need money and take improper money that way and impact their program that way. So I think ultimately, even though I know it's going to be very controversial across the board, I think ultimately once the dust settles, it could actually end up being a very good thing for student athletes because it's going to empower them to make money and allow them to do it in a way in which they don't really have to go necessarily outside of the structure of what they're doing now athletically to do it. I'm with you there, Matthew. And I agree that, you know, the kid from, uh, I forget where it was. It was a, a D2 maybe school in Florida. I don't think it was a big time program, but either way, guys like that making money off your YouTube, your Instagram, promoting products like that should be allowed. But here's my thing. I still think Matthew that coming out of high school, the recruiting process is still going to be dirty because, you know, if you're a parent and you're not well off and your kid's being recruited by Texas, just to use an example, we're not picking on Texas, just saying, say, Texas, you know, it's one thing to promise, hey, if your kid becomes a star, he can make money off his name, image, and likeness. I could still see under the table deals where it's like, okay, but that's not a guarantee. We need something right now, and we want something right now, and we expect something right now. Uh, that's certainly possible. And I, you, know, you could look at this potentially as a starting point. Uh, you, you can't really do a whole lot right now, you know, before the kid actually gets to college. You know, a lot of the, all of this is going to be restricted to, hey, you're on campus, you're in a program. These are the things you're going to be allowed to do. Um, the school can't help the students facilitate, you know, endorsement contracts. They can't use conference or team likenesses within any endorsements that they do. Um, it's not going to stop parents of kids or kids who are trying to get the schools to ask for improper benefits like you're talking about. At that point, it's really going to be up to the school to walk away. And we know schools, in a lot of instances, they don't do that. This probably doesn't solve the entire problem, but it does solve part of the problem. And I think that if they can solve this piece of the problem, it's going to eliminate some of those issues that we see come up every year with agents and improper benefits within the construct of 
them being on campus. The other stuff, high school, that that's that is almost a more unwieldy monster than college because at least with the NCAA, you know, you, there are certain things you you have to do. When you get to high school, that kind of stuff, recruiting, it's basically the wild wild west, and it's not just colleges. It's it's AAU teams, it's seven on seven, it's all these other unwieldy monsters that the NCAA just can't exert any control over. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's our guest, uh, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Matthew, let's just talk now about college football in general. We don't know what the heck is going to happen. There have been so many different proposals, ideas out there. We have no idea what the world's going to look like in a month from now. But of the proposals that you are hearing, and some of them are coming from Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, is there anything that, I guess, not excites you, none of us are happy about going out of our usual college football routine, but that you're more open to based on what you've heard? I am open to the idea of playing college football in 2021. And, and here's why with this coronavirus with COVID-19, you know, I still hear some people say, well, you know, it's just a really, you know, bad version of the flu. That may be true, but there's a difference. There's a cure for the flu. There's a vaccine for the flu. We don't have a cure or a vaccine for this disease yet. You know, Starting the football season in 2021 buys us a little time, buys doctors time to find solutions to this uh, that would allow us to have games in a safe manner. You know, I, I don't really want to have a, a quote-unquote bastardized version of the college football season. If it comes to that, I'll accept it. But I want to be able to have, you know, Royal Memorial Stadium with 100,000 people in it. You know, have Kyle Field down in College Station with 100,000 people in it. I want people to be able to enjoy the game the way that I think all of us have been able to enjoy it our entire lifetime. I know that conflicts with college basketball. I know it conflicts with winter sports. But I'm of the mind that if we can, you know, roll the dice a little bit and give doctors and researchers time to find the tools they need to help fight this and allow us to go to games in a way that that is safer than we would be able to do right now, I'm all for that. Well, Matthew, how about we just – I'm just thinking off the top of my head based on what you said there – Start the season early January, do a conference-only slate, and then, you know what, you play a championship game Saturday before Selection Sunday, you roll right into the NCAA tournament. I fixed it. There you go. <laughs> you did fix it. And, you know, the the conference-only schedule has been something that has been bandied about. I think the one thing you're going to have to balance, of course, is that you do have some conferences that play nine games, like uh, uh, Big Ten plays nine uh, Big 12 plays nine. I think Pac-12 plays nine. And you have some that play eight. So you're going to have to get the SEC, these other conferences on board with playing either a nine-game schedule or the ones that play nine on board with playing an eight-game schedule. So that's the only hurdle there. But I think uh, if it's if it's the opportunity to have a college football season, I think they'd find a way to negotiate around that. And they need to, too, for the money. And, and Matthew, you know, you, uh, not just with Heartland College Sports, but, you know, you are at football college football games every Saturday, it seems like, during the fall. And you'll do... Uh, D1 all the way down to D3 games for your College Football America yearbook that you guys put together. And, you know, you know that some of these FCS programs, I mean, they expect, right, that half a million dollar paycheck to get beat up by Oklahoma or Texas or Oklahoma State. Those programs, I mean, they're going to be on the brink if they don't get that money. Yeah, I I went to one of those schools, Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, Texas, and we play a uh, we played Mississippi State a couple of years ago. We've played uh, Texas A&M. We call them paycheck games. Yeah. Uh, and basically that's what it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's a three quarters of a million dollars to 
like you said, get your head beat in for 60 minutes, but it supports your entire athletic department. Uh, we've already had one school, one university, uh, Urbana College in uh, Columbus, Ohio, I think, close its doors completely. They play D2 football. So um, you run the risk as we go along here, uh, depending on how things go the next few months, you run the risk of some football programs maybe suspending for a year, uh, maybe even shutting their doors uh, for longer than that if they don't have the money to sustain their football program. You know, we talk all the time about how, you know, how much money football generates. There's a reason why football generates so much money. It's because it takes so much money to keep football going. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. It does. And these are going to be some of the most interesting storylines to follow here as we go through the uh, weeks and months ahead. He's Matthew Postens, heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, always great to get the insight. Uh, you're based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so stay safe down there. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully we are getting closer to some type of uh, normalcy and maybe game action. But who knows? Wait and see approach, my friend. I appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it, Pete. Coming up, does TCU deserve some criticism? I'll explain it next. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being here and joining us for a few minutes on the show. So NFL draft, obviously uh, recapping that, the topic of the week. But I think that there is some fair criticism to go around here for the TCU Horn Frogs and Gary Patterson. We told you earlier on the show that TCU led the Big 12 with five NFL draft picks. They were cornerback Jeff Gladney to the Vikings in the first round. Uh, defensive tackle Ross Blacklock, Houston Texans, second round. Offensive lineman Lucas Niang, Chiefs in the third round. Uh, Vernon Scott, TCU safety, Green Bay Packers in the seventh round. So, uh, and who did I? Oh, Jalen Rager, excuse me, first round guy. He was the first pick for TCU. Jalen Rager to the Philadelphia Eagles, 21st overall. So that's five TCU players drafted, leading the Big 12. And if you look at TCU the last two years, I mean, let's be, let's call it like it is, right? I mean, it has not been a good couple of seasons. Now, a lot of that's been because of quarterback play. There's no getting around it. A lot of that's been because of quarterback play, and anyone paying attention knows that's exactly what happened here. The quarterback play has not been good for the Horned Frogs. And nobody can deny it. I mean, Gary Patterson can't deny it. You got to go back really to 2017 when this team made it to the Big 12 championship game that they had even a competent quarterback in Kenny Hill. But I wouldn't call Kenny Hill like a guy that's going to win you a Big 12 title. That team was really good. And Kenny Hill kind of helped that team. Kenny Hill was a mediocre quarterback. I mean, at some point, if Gary Patterson ever gets himself a stud quarterback, and he thought he had one the last couple of years. It hasn't turned out that way. But if he ever got himself a stud quarterback, man, that would just be absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It just hasn't happened, though. And think about it. Sean Robinson came in as a four-star guy, high expectations. He ends up you know, playing some, but he leaves the program and transfers. Uh, he was okay in 2018. You have Justin Rogers, who comes in, who's expected to be. I mean, this was a five-star quarterback. Five-star quarterback, Justin Rogers. First ever five-star recruit for TCU. Comes in, and he redshirts first year because, remember, his senior year of high school banged up his knee, 
So he red shirts, doesn't play last year, and he may never be the same, uh, but he ends up transferring the UNLV, so he's never going to see the field. So they've gotten a little bit unlucky at that position, and now you hope that a guy like Max Duggan can be that player after playing and starting as a true freshman last year, uh, but there just have not been great options at that position. But still, you look at TCU and you say to yourself, the past two years, under 500 when you put them together. They got to 7-6 and six two years ago and 5-7 and seven last year. That's after going 11-3 and three back in 2017. But, you know, three of the past four years, TCU's gone 6-7, and 7-6, seven, seven and 5-7. And, and, and listen, Gary Patterson still, to me, is the best head coach in the Big 12. I believe that through and through. Gary Patterson is the best head coach in the Big 12. But I think it's fair to criticize what these last couple of years have, have led to, considering you led the conference in NFL draft picks and you did not turn that into even a winning season. Now, I know a lot of close losses, right? Like, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of close losses when you go back to last year. You had a three-point loss to SMU. You had the seven-point loss at K-State. Seven-point loss at Oklahoma State. Triple overtime loss to Baylor. Four-point loss to Oklahoma. Three-point loss to West Virginia. Uh, maybe that's different this year. Those are a lot of close losses. Outside of the Iowa State game up at Jack Trice, the game actually I was at back in early October, uh, there weren't really any blowouts on behalf of TCU. And that's with a true freshman quarterback. But you got to now turn that corner this year and turn those losses into wins because you're going on two years in a row and three of the past four years where things have just kind of been, eh, mediocre. And when you had the talent that you had, and the NFL, by the way, recognized that talent, it's fair to say what the heck's going on here. And this is a team under Gary Patterson that over the past five years has done a very good job recruiting in the Big 12. After OU in Texas, this has been, on average, uh, the best recruiting class in the conference, best recruiting program in the conference. Something to be said for that. But it's not translating into wins. The big reason for that is the quarterback position, but it can't just remain an excuse. It can't, and it should not just remain an excuse for TCU. So just something to note here as, you know, we go through the offseason and start talking about next year. And hopefully a guy like Jerry Kill helps turn around the offense. You know, he's Gary Patterson's best friend. He's now basically the head coach of the offense with a bunch of familiar faces underneath him. But can he get Max Duggan to that next level? My concern with Max Duggan is that he's so much more comfortable running the ball than he is throwing the ball. And he was really good with his feet last year. I mean, he was really good. But you got to see that growth. Uh, you have to see it through the air. If not, it's not going to matter. It's not. And it's crushing to think that they had Jalen Rager the past two years. Uh, I thought one of the best players in America, wide receiver, and the offense was as bad as it was. Uh, I think about the talent of Jalen Rager, first-round wide receiver, and <laughs> they basically blew that talent. The offense was terrible the past two years. And a talent like Jalen Rager does not walk through the door every single day. So there you have it. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you, as always, guys, for being a part of the show. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Take a moment out. Please leave us that rating, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, if you leave a rating and review as a thank you, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Uh, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. Stay safe. Be well. We'll talk to you soon.